Well, good afternoon again, everybody. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Julie asked if I would just say a little bit today about the, the topic of how the church understands and how we as uh, believers in the Lord understand the issue of gender in our world today, because it's kind of a hot topic. Maybe you have become aware of this. So to do that, we're going to just have a little prayer, and then we will we'll talk, okay? So, ready? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So it is good to be with you today. Um, first of all, I should have said this at the beginning, and I did not. Uh, this morning at, at Cabrini, we have a usual Saturday morning Mass. We always have one. And I had the Mass today, and I offer the Mass for all of you and for your treat today. And I did it aloud so that way everybody there this morning could pray for you too. It was a nice big group this morning, and they're happy to hear that you were here. So... Um, You've been prayed for. You will be prayed for some more. And you are, you are covered with God, all right, in, in our prayer today, okay? And then later on today, we'll be doing, Father and I, a little Q&A and some things. So at that point, maybe remind me to, to explain to you about my upcoming assignment change because there's some questions, and it's better if I explain it then. It's complicated. So we'll, we'll get to that later. To the topic at hand, um, gender, all right? So it has become the case, <coughs> excuse me, that in the last probably few years, I would say three, four, five years or so, uh, in America especially, but not just here, uh, it's risen to the, the surface of our day-to-day cultural conversations in the media, on all of our devices, uh, in, in product lines at the store, whatever. This whole idea of how does one understand oneself as a man or as a woman. And um, before this, you know, we approached this topic, I'd say, one way. And uh, it was not such a debate. It was kind of a, a settled thing, if I can put it like that. And there were always sort of arguments around the edges of it, but, but nothing like now. I mean, now, in the last few years, it has evolved in such a way that um, everyone's questioning it in very, very deep ways. And I think that there are lots of currents in the culture that we're all exposed to that suggest to us ideas about this that are very, very different than what um, I grew up with, what you grew up with until recently, and what we as Christians, I think, understand about it. So with all that in mind, we just thought we'll talk a bit about it today in this setting. Here you're on retreat. You're here to pray. You're here to explore how God is alive in your hearts and lives and to hear um, formation, I guess, right, about how we understand things as a church as you take the next step toward confirmation. So today, in a way that wasn't true five years ago, we're devoting time to this topic because it's become that much of a thing if I can put it that way, right? So I, at this point, this shouldn't be surprising to you, I think, right? No one, no one is questioning what I'm talking about, all right? We all know where I'm going. So here's what we're going to do. I'll just say a bit about uh, what transgenderism has become in our current conversational discourse as a culture, and then maybe some places where it might kind of come from as a, I will, I'll say, as, as a worldview. How about that? And then... Um, a little bit about how we understand that as Christians and how we, I think, as men and women who love Jesus and love our fellow men and women, how we should interact with people who are wrestling with this topic. So that's a lot to cover. I'll, I'll go as quick as I can, okay? 
But that would be the, the idea, right? And maybe when this is done later on in the day, if there's more questions about it, we can come back to it at, at that point, all right? So transgenderism, in a nutshell, this is a, uh, it's a worldview, it's, it's a viewpoint, it is a, uh, it's, it's, called a, it's called an ideology. What does that mean? It means it's a way of understanding things. And what does it mean? It means, I, it well means lots of things. But for our purposes, I will sum it up like this. It's the idea that a person's biological sex, so male or female, is a changeable, fluid thing. And it's something that you could say is um, constructed by our minds or by a culture rather than something that we are born into and is dictated to us. Does that make any sense as an opener, right? So, I mean, I could say that I am born into the fact that there's gravity in the world. I can't do much about that. I mean, if I walk off of a roof, I'm going to fall. There's no negotiating that. Um, it's given. It's a given, right? We would say once upon a time that gender is the same thing. It's given. Now, though, transgenderism as an idea says, no, it's not a given. It's negotiable. And it depends a lot upon what a person thinks about one's self and what they're told. And one has the ability, therefore, to decide as life goes on what gender they are. Okay? So this is how one approaches it. So trans transgenderism as, a, as an ideological viewpoint means gender is what I want it to be. Um, and maybe what goes along with this idea of deciding it is... You sometimes hear this said, that a person could think that there is like the wrong soul inside one's body. Maybe you've heard this, right? There, there's, you know, I, I was, I'm actually a different, I'm, I'm a woman, but I'm in a man's body or vice versa, and I need to somehow get my soul and body into right sync because while my body might look like something, I feel like something else. So there's a discordance, we would call it, or a disconnect between how one views oneself on the inside, how do I sense myself, how do I feel myself, versus what does my body suggest to me. And not only that, if others see me, they might think that I'm something based on my body too, which inside I don't think that I am. So it's the idea that there's, there's a wrong soul in the body. Does that make any sense too, right? So, so you kind of hear this. All this and more, but this is the, the, the short version, is wrapped up in what it means to talk about uh, our gender ideological conversations in the current world, okay? Gender is constructed, it's not given, it's what I decided to be, it's based on how I experience myself, it's based on how I feel inside of me, and it might not match at all what my body says, there's a divide between those two things. Mind and body are split. That's what's going on in this, okay? What might be, next part, some possible causes of this, or some origins, all right? And there's a few things that I'm going to kind of touch on here, okay? And they come from different directions in, in, in life, in the universe, right, the causes. Um, one goes like this, and one must speak this honestly, and here's where I would throw a bone to the people who think this way. Um, there is a long history of mistreatment in the world between men and women. Okay? We have a long history of, get this, men and women not getting along, okay? Uh, in, in the scriptures, if we open up the Bible to the book of Genesis, you know, we find, and, and you've, I think, spent time with that book, right? Those of you who went to Gabrini especially, I used to teach on this when you were in grade six, grade seven, you know, 
The opening chapters of that beautiful book talk about that God makes us male and female. That's, we'll get to that later. But then a couple chapters in, the whole harmony of the first parents is shattered by the arguments between Adam and Eve about whose fault it is that they ate uh, of the forbidden fruit of the tree, and they bicker, frankly, and then the story ends with them on different pages and frustrated with each other, right? And Genesis' story is there for a million reasons, one of which is to capture the fact that in the human condition, men and women have been at odds with each other for the beginning of our history. Okay? Beginning, I should say, of our fallen history. In a world like that, men and women hurt each other, and they poke at each other, and they mistreat each other. And, and not all of it's intentional. Some of it's very subconscious. And in that world, uh, in certain societal situations, um, roles evolve about what a man's supposed to do and what a woman's supposed to do and what it means to raise children, who's supposed to do what, how you're supposed to dress, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to have a power structure, how you're supposed to get paid and compensated. You know, um, children are wrapped up in it, sexuality is wrapped up in it, you know, appearances are wrapped up in it, careers are wrapped up in it, all this stuff, and it's, it's kind of a mess, to be honest, right? And so one could say, as one grows up, one says, you know, I look out of this world and I see what a man's supposed to be and a woman's supposed to be based on how it's portrayed on billboards and on Amazon and around me in school, and I, I don't like what I see, and I don't like that I've been wounded, and I don't know that I want to grow up and fit in one of those roles, that is a, I think, legitimate cause of our current cultural dilemma on this point. There are many people who don't feel comfortable with how it's, it's been laid out, and with the fact that for a long time, we just, we have not handled this well, okay? So, so the word that we put on this as Jews and Christians is sin. Humanity is sinful, we hurt each other, and in a sinful world, all this mess bubbles up about who we are, and, and at the core of it, it hits who we are as men and women. Okay, so we have to acknowledge that. So where does transgenderism come from? On one level, it comes from centuries of ongoing back and forth and misunderstanding about what a man and woman is because we are not always very nice to each other as men and women. It's just fact. And there's layers of wounds about that in the world. Layers and layers of wounds, okay? So you can't minimize that. It's a fact. And as one navigates this in a current world, one has to recognize that there is something to be said for the, the complaint that male and female stereotypes do not adequately speak to everybody's situation, right? And that's, that's a fact. We'll come back to that a little bit later on, okay? Because it's only part of, the, part of the story, but it's in the mix. Um, where else might transgenderism as an idea come from? And again, what does it mean? It means I can invent my gender. I don't feel comfortable with how I'm categorized, right? So one, wounds of sin. Okay, two, uh, the word is uh, dualists. We are dualists in our modern world. What's a dualist? Dualist is a philosophical term, but it means uh, very succinctly that there is a, um, an improper understanding about how the mind and body go together. Or to put it like this, we give our mind so much power that we break it apart from what our body actually is. Like my mind trapped in a body. And like my body is like this and a temporary disposable thing that I don't need for very long, or I can maybe bend my body around my mind, or my mind is trapped in my body. So dualists, and we're very much dualists in our modern cultural mindset, we don't, and we don't realize how much we are, because it's, it's, it's in our groundwater, so to speak, right? What do we think? We think that there can be 
a disconnect between what my mind says and my body happens to look like. Okay? Um, this has been true different times in history. This kind of rises and falls historically. So there were some times when dualism was really big, and we kind of fixed it because it led to lots of problems. I would say in our current mode, dualism is on the rise again. And we do not talk about our bodies and minds in ways that are actually accurate or intelligent. We separate them all the time. Okay? And um, this is a challenge. right? Um, so there is that. Uh, we also think that, um, how would I put it, you know, any, any thought that I have in my head must be right if it would hurt my feelings to challenge it. That makes sense? So if I think about myself in a certain way, and then if it's challenged and it hurts my feelings, that experience of being hurt tells me that my thoughts are right and the challenge is bad. Because in our world right now, we think the worst thing you can do is have your feelings hurt. Because it feels like you're being quote-unquote judged, right? And nobody likes that. So we decided that that is not good. And if it isn't good, then somehow we have to protect the ideas in our head, even though reality might be completely different than that. If my head says so, it must be true. Never mind how it looks on the outside. If my head says so, it must be true. Um, as I put it, we are, we are kings in our own mind. Okay? In my mind, nobody can tell me that I'm wrong. I must be right, right. This is how we are. So we're not believers in what's called objective truth. We're believers in my truth and your truth. And you can't tell me I'm wrong and I can't tell you you're wrong. And this is where we all kind of are. This is dualism also. Right? That gives rise to transgenderism too because with thinking like that, it's not possible for somebody else to claim about me that I'm a certain way. They can't tell me how I am because I say, well, you don't know me. In my mind, I'm this, and you're over there. There is no meeting of the, of the minds, so to speak, right? So there is that. What else gives rise maybe to transgenderism? So we have um, mistreatment of men and women and stereotypes which are kind of messy. We have dualism and not understanding bodies and minds together and thinking that we are kings in our own little minds. Also, um, emotional issues, okay? They're emotional things that give rise to the a desire to act like a different gender than one happens to be. So there is right now, among people your age, I'll just, I'll, I'll speak about you generically, okay? I'm stereotyping, but just allow me to do that for a second, all right? But this is what people tell us about you from a sociological standpoint. There is a lot of pain and frustration right now among adolescents and adults for that matter. A lot of loneliness, a lot of awkwardness, a lot of desire to fit in, and a lot of kind of drifting about saying, what does life even mean? What is the point? Where am I going? Where are we going? A lot of questioning in people's hearts and a lot of searching for popularity and to be accepted. And if you think it ends with your age, it doesn't. It will last all the way until you're dead. Okay? So, so the frustration you have in this front right now, it will be with you for a long time. Okay? It, it afflicts us as adults. Right? But it seems to be especially acute these days in ways we've not seen until recently. That seems to be what data would point us to. Right? So there's a lot of angst fear about who are we, right? So it can get kind of, um, I would use the word seductive or really appealing to grab onto a mental idea that says I'm a different gender if it might solve my acceptance problem, if I can put it that way, right? Because we're kind of lonely people and we're looking to fit in and we're looking to be popular. 
Um, also, it's true that there's lots of these days, it seems to be rising levels of ADHD, of autism, of uh, social anxiety, of low self-esteem, all these self-image things in ways that once upon a time just were not such a big deal. Now they're, they're, they're really high in people your age. So that's this, this kind of mental stew that makes us all ripe for these ideas to grab a hold of us, whether they're right or wrong. Okay? So, we hurt each other as men and women, we are dualists, and we are anxious. That's the, that's the bottom line, right? Anxious as people. Um, so, if that's true, like I said, it can be kind of a pain coping mechanism for a person your age to say, if I decide I'm another gender, it's going to dull this aching pain inside of me that says, I don't like myself. But I can mask that, I can paper it over if I, if I kind of get the, the thrill, if you will, of fitting in with a new idea. It's, it's kind of cool right now to question your gender. I'm just going to say it for what it is, right? And it fills a hole inside of me for doing that. Does that make any sense? Um, medically and clinically, is there such a thing as the word as gender discordance, right? So what does this mean now? This is, this is a little, so bear with me, this is complicated. Um, in clinical psychology and in the studies of men and women, there is actually a diagnosable situation called discordance. It is a situation where the mind and the body are not thinking on the same page. Like one's perception of oneself is not grounded in reality, okay? Um, if, you, if there's one that you probably know about, this is a very easy one to explain, it's called anorexia. You've heard of this, I assume, right? That's a discordance, or also we'll call it a dysphoria. And what that means is that even though a young woman typically, and sometimes a man, but usually a woman, um, her body to anybody else watching her on the outside is very, very thin, but in her mind, she's overweight, right? And so there's a discordance. Even though the body says one thing, the mind is attacking that notion, and it's going to adjust behavior so that a person essentially will bring harm to herself because she cannot solve this mental problem that says, no, I'm overweight, overweight, overweight. Meanwhile, her friends and parents are watching her and saying, no, you're, you're getting thinner and thinner and thinner. Okay? That's a discordance. That's a clinically diagnosable situation, right, where the mind and the body are not in sync with self-perception, right? Is there such a thing as a discordance about gender? Like the mind thinks that I'm a man, even though my body is clearly that of a female. There's a discordance, right? And the answer is yes, there is. Okay. So are we right now dealing with, in high schools and in grade schools and in other schools, um, a rampant, amazing, sudden increase in clinically diagnosed with gender discordance? This is a question. Are there like all of a sudden a lot of people who, who have, are suddenly afflicted with this mental condition wherein the mind and the body are not lining up? This is the question, right? The fact is, if you, if you ask people who I think are objective about this, they're going to say that uh, gender discordance that's authentic is extraordinarily rare. It's a very, very, very rare condition, okay? And it, it affects a, a fraction of the population. So small that it can't possibly explain all of a sudden onset of the situation we're facing in our high school hallways and grade school hallways and our homes. So if we're going to be really good authentic psychologists, we're going to say that cannot be what's going on here. It's possible, 
but it's super, super rare, okay? Um, what about this? Is it possible for a man or a woman to be biologically born in such a way that their, um, their, their, genetic, their, their sex is somehow mixed? Like, can you have a mixed man or woman? I mean, can your genitalia be somehow off, or can you have both, or can you, you know, how, how can, can one's reproductive parts or sense of self be biologically uh, misshapen, or is there something that would make them actually be in an in-between category between male and female? And the answer is yes, but also extremely, extremely rare. Very, very rare. Okay? So that, too, really can't explain why all of a sudden we have this, this tidal wave of people who think that they're the wrong gender. Right? So something else has to be going on. Right? That's the thing, right? So, so that leaves us with the, the most logical explanation for the, the current widespread questioning of gender it's not biological, and it's probably not even like a clinically diagnosable gender dysphoria. Uh, more likely, it's because of all the things I mentioned in, in the beginning, right? There's all these factors right now that have made us just decide that it's somehow going to help our life situation if I just choose to believe I'm a different gender. And it's, it's really as simple as that, okay? Um, does that make sense so far? Right, So we have an ideology right now that's at work. It makes us question, I suppose, the idea that there's male and female. We think that we can construct this. There's lots of reasons why this maybe would have come about in world history and in our lives. A lot of it's anxiety and emotional discomfort and pain, people who are hurting about things. But I mean, from a clinical perspective and biological perspective, it's pretty unlikely that people actually have legit gender discordance or they are somehow a mixed sex creature. It's just not possible, okay? And, and again, if it were, why all of a sudden in the last five years did the world go from being male and female to not at all? What, what was in the water? You know, I mean, something had to happen, right? It doesn't make any sense. If you're a good scientist, you, you say, this doesn't make any sense. So... As a Christian, how does one react to this? And here's where you come in, right? Because you are good Christians in training, me too. And you want to be confirmed, I hope, anyway. Uh, this is what the deal is here. So well, how does one... So, if we, so if, if we all that I said is true, what do we do when we encounter this? Maybe our classmate is dealing with this. Maybe this is true in, our, in, our, in a sibling, in a... In a an authority figure like a teacher or somebody on TV or, you know, I mean, it's around us, right? People who are really convinced that they're the wrong sex. So what do you do with this, right? Um, here's what I would say, okay? First of all, um, we have to know certain things. First of all, and I'll get to this a little bit later on, okay? And I promise this will not take much longer because this is a heavy topic and you just eat, you're going to fall asleep, I understand. Um, we need to listen as people, so listening is going to be critical. But before we get to the listening part, we have to know inside of our, of our own selves what's right and wrong about this so we can listen very carefully to what's happening around us and not be, I think, taken in the wrong direction by it. So before we get to the listening part, which is critical, we need to do that. The first thing is, what must I know to be true about, reali about reality, period? Okay. So here's what the Catholic Church teaches about gender in a very basic sense, right? I, I'm going to read you right now three 
short sections from the Catechism. Catechism is the big fat book of all our teachings, right? So what, what I'm about to read to you is what we would say is absolutely true, regardless of circumstances, what continent you're on, what city you're born in, how old you are, if you're born in, in you know, uh, 1917, if you're born yesterday, this is true, period, because the Catechism deals with what's true about reality and God and us from a revealed perspective, as in what God has shown us is true, okay? What has God shown us? Catechism, section number 369, goes like this. Man and woman have been created, which is to say, willed by God. On the one hand, in perfect equality as human persons, so they're, they're equal as men and women, and on the other, and their respective beings, as man and woman. And then it goes on to say, being man and being woman is a reality which is good and willed by God, it also says, man and woman possess an inalienable, that means you can't take it away, dignity, which comes to them immediately from God, their creator. Okay? So what this is saying is, there's no such thing as anything other than male and female. Those are our categories. And God made them that way, and God wills there to be male and female, for long story why that is, okay? And it's good that there is male and female. Right? So, so we say from the very beginning, this is a dogmatic fact, that there is no possibility of some mix of this. Um, it goes on to say, and this is further on in the Catechism, so that part was in the, the part that deals with creation toward the beginning of it. These next two come way toward the end when we get to how to handle moral questions, like our ethics. It goes like this, section number 2333. Everyone, man and woman, should acknowledge and accept his sexual identity. That's what it says. You have to accept identity. Physical, moral, and spiritual difference on complementarity are oriented toward the goods of marriage and the flourishing of family life. What is that supposed to mean? It means that male and female are made to complete each other. A man all by himself is interesting, I guess, but it's not going to make the human race continue. Same thing for a woman. If you're really going to understand who you are as a woman, as a man, you need the other one to figure it out. Because they're meant to be a whole that you put together. Like two pieces of a puzzle that fit. Okay. So what's the catechism saying? God made us man and female, which is good. It's really a pointer to God. He wants man and female. This is how we are. And if we're going to be really happy as persons, we have to embrace how we are as man and woman. Any way around that is going to lead us miserable as people, okay? And what does that mean? It means men and women are supposed to go together. They complete each other in a way that's important. And it's ultimately pointing toward having more children or having a family or furthering the human race in either a spiritual sense, like priests do, we have spiritual children, or a biological sense, like husbands and wives do. You all are here because your parents got married or something, right? Last section. 2335, each of the two sexes is an image of the power and tenderness of God with equal dignity, though in a different way. So here, what they're trying to say is, men and women are different. There's no crossing and mixing the two of them, and there, is, there should be no way that one should be above the other. And this tries to get at the problem of the sin of humanity that says, you know, at different points, we're, we're not nice to each other. This says, there's no room for a male to put himself over a woman, or vice versa, they are equals. They're not the same, 
you can't mix and match them, but they are equal in their differences, right? That's what we know, people. Right, right there is what we know, okay? We know what our bodies tell us. We can look at a body and we can see, yeah, I, I know the, what that is. That's a man and that's a woman, right? And if one wants to try and bend that in one's mind, one is departing from reality. And that never leads a person in a good spot, okay? And that should not surprise us because the catechism says these are the categories. This is how we are made, right? So if we're going to respond to the gender questions that are all around us, then um, we're, we're going to have to have this in mind as we, as we do it, right? If we encounter it in a, in a neighbor, in a friend, a coworker, or, or on TV, whatever, we're going we're gonna to see this and we're going to listen to their story. Get to that in a second. But we're going to be having the back of our minds, I know what I'm seeing. However, I know what God has told me is true. And I know just based on reality what is true. I can look at a man and woman and I can, I can know what's going on in front of me. That's a man, that's a woman. Okay? And it, we can rely on that. It's a reliable source of information. So knowing that, right? Um, how do we respond to it? Okay, what are we going to do? Um, first of all, okay, as I was just suggesting a second ago, um, I might not say this out loud to who's in front of me, but I have to know the truth about man and woman if I'm going to respond to this, right? So let's say I'm, I'm at school and, you know, so-and-so walks by me or comes up to me and, you know, claims to be a woman, even though this is clearly a man or a person who is trying to be something that they're not. Um, in that first moment, I'm probably not going to quote the catechism to them. It's going to be less than helpful. I don't know that I would do that. I'm going to probably not say much at all at first, but in the back of my mind, I'm going to have to know what's going on here. What's going on is this is a person who is having a mental confusion about how they were created. Okay? I'll say that again. What's in front of me is a person who's having a mental confusion about how they're created. I'm, I'm not sure why. I'll get to why that is later. But I just know that's what it is. In other words, I'm not going to be led down the path of, oh, maybe they actually are women. That's, that's not possible. We have to know that it's not possible. I might not say that, but I have to know in the back of my mind, yeah, okay, Here's what's going on in front of me, right? Um, two, how we're going to react to people will depend a little bit upon how, um, what their circumstances are in life. So, so for example, right, if you ask any good counselor who's dealt with this before, and there's a bunch of them who are actually good at this and they've written books about this, they will say, you, you have an age difference situation here, right? If you have little kids, let's call them, you know, age five, six, seven, eight, whatever, and they, in a classroom or whatever, begin saying, you know, I think I'm actually a boy. This is a girl. Or I think I'm actually a, a girl. This is a boy, you know. Um, one's going to treat that differently than like an adult saying that, which, which makes sense, don't you think, right? Um, if you're a little kid, they live in the world of imagination and exploration and, and, and concepts and... They, they're not, when, when they say that, if you're like, say, in grade one, and you're like a six or seven-year-old, and you tell your teacher, oh, I think I'm a, I'm a man, they're not having a, 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 an identity crisis. They're just curious. And maybe something in their life is making them say that. Maybe there's a fight going on at home between mom and dad or some other 
live-in situation. Maybe they saw something, a, a man treating a woman poorly, and it really bothered them. And, and what they're thinking is, I don't want to grow up to be that. And, and they don't know how to spit that out. So instead what they say is, I, I think I'd rather be a woman. Which makes some sense, right? The wrong thing to do would be to say, oh, maybe you are, right? We're going to open up years and years of treatment and, and all these things. That would not be the way to handle it, okay? At a very young age, one is going to kind of say, well, you know, maybe we could talk about what's a man and what's a woman and try and settle in your mind some questions that you're having an anxiety about. Um, usually you don't take it terribly seriously, with the exception of looking for what might be an underlying problem going on at home, the one wants to make sure one explores, because this might be an abusive situation, there could be a lot of things going on, so you don't want to minimize that, but you don't want to make the mistake of thinking, oh, I bet you this kid is the wrong gender. That would be completely wrong. That doesn't help anybody, the kid or you or the situation, right? So you kind of take it like it is. If you are older, if you're a teen, your age, if you're an adult, and this comes out of your mouth, or you're dressing a different way or whatever, then one's going to step back and say, wow, what's going on with this person? What are they, what's bothering them? Where does this come from? I mean, are they, are they in pain? Are they upset? I mean, are they, and you don't maybe say this out loud, but you just kind of know this. You, we're Christians, right? And we care about people very much because we know who God is and how he made us and what's true and not true. And so when I, when I encounter a person like this now, who's an adult or older, like you're older, my first reaction is, okay, I love this person, and I know something is wrong. I won't tell them this right off the bat, but I'm going to listen very carefully to what's going on here and try and figure out what's the problem, because I want to make sure they're going to be as healthy and happy and good as possible, and I don't want them to go down a wrong pathway, and it's easy to do that right now because we're confused as people. So in older people, there's a lot of listening. There's going to be, well, can you tell me why you think you're a woman? or what? And maybe it'll tumble out. And I think for quite a while, one's probably going to be able to say a whole lot in response. One's going to kind of just listen and let the story come out. Because usually people just need to talk. Because nobody understands them, probably, right? Or at least they don't feel understood, which is valid. Eventually, okay, if you're with this person consistently, this is like a longer-term thing, it's probably good to start kind of gently challenging their logic because, I mean, for example, it's not really philosophically, logically possible to think that you're another gender because you can't actually be one. So there's, a whole, there's holes all over their thinking, but when you're emotionally distraught, you don't see it. This is very common. That's why people go to counselors. Okay? So maybe you challenge their thinking a little bit, right? And you kind of process with them. Maybe try and be a friend of them and support them and just say, you know, I'm just going to kind of listen to you right now and not really pass judgment on your situation, but okay. But eventually, if one has to kind of, you know, suggest them, there might be another way to think about it. When one has figured out there's a good time to do this in the conversation, right? One, though, I do think has to be very, very careful about things like um, changing pronouns and trying to go along with what they have constructed for themselves as an alternative version of reality. Um, if one's going to do that, one has to have, I would call it, a conversational exit strategy. Because you can't do that forever. Because if you do that, you're not really helping them. You're only furthering a mental construct that they have grabbed onto to make themselves dull a kind of pain, right? So the whole pronoun conversation today is, it's temporary. It's not going to be a lasting solution. And 
studies have shown now over and over again, okay, well, the beginning of the show, because we've been tracking this on one level recently in mass quantities, that anybody's attempts to change their gender as they keep taking more steps to it, they're never good enough. They have to keep doing more and more and more because they're not really solving the problem. And so if we go on the pronoun thing, they might say to us, I'm only going to feel happy if you call my pronoun. We know as good data scientists that that's actually not true. All the pronoun change in the world doesn't fix the ink they have inside of them. Because the next step is then they want drugs, and then they go to surgeries, and then they eventually do even worse things to themselves. So, so we've, we're, we've, we have data, if we just pay attention to the shows, the pronoun thing doesn't actually help them. So it works temporarily to have a conversation, I guess, but after a while, one's going to kind of say, I, I'm not going to be able to keep calling you what you're not. Right? Figure out when you want to get to that point, but that's coming in the back of your mind. Right? As, so again, d does one hit them with a Bible? No, I wouldn't do that. Does one hit them with a catechism? No, that will hurt. Okay. One has to listen, but one listens knowing what one is listening to. One's listening to a, 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 a person with interior confusion about who they want to be. Maybe for good reasons. Okay. Um, last couple of really quick points. Uh, what about the policy responses, the legal responses? You know, the, the, the church, the Catholic church has the obligation to defend the fact that it is, um, it's a violation of our human dignity to promote transgender policies. So in a Catholic parish, in a Catholic school, um, we're going to be more and more having the legal conversation that says that even though the culture might say one thing on this, we know that as Christians it's a violation of a person's dignity to go along with this mistaken thinking, and we will not do so. That sounds kind of harsh, but with, that comes out of our conviction knowledge about reality. Men are, people are male and female, and God has made them that way because that's what's best for us. And any attempt to kind of talk around that is only doing harm. So our policies are going to be in that direction. We will legally push that as much as we can until, well, until we go to jail. Um, and then just be aware, okay, friends, that... Um, any, any attempt that people are going to make to transition, quote-unquote, to some of the gender with uh, drugs or surgeries, are, they are super harmful things to do. They are gravely harmful for a body. And um, many of them leave permanent and lasting damage. So, you know, as a church, as Christians, we're going to say, you know, we will, we will work with the person wherever they're at, and we will talk about the mental difficulties of having to figure out why am I unpopular and everything else, and that's, that's hugely important, but we're going to draw a line and say we will not, we will not entertain anything that's going to try and change a body or change hormones or change body parts or any, that is completely off the table because it does severe harm to everybody involved. I mean, everybody hurts from that, right? Um, and the fact that we are so quickly going down the pathway right now as a society is so, so, so sad because we will have, in a few years from now, a lot of wreckage from this whole mess. And we're going to go, why on earth did we do this? Okay? It's not good medicine, and it's not helpful for them. And to be honest, we actually have studies that are old enough to show this because um, there are the countries that dealt with this before we did, and they dealt with it the wrong way, and now they realize they've made a mistake, and the data is there. We just have to to read it and to see it, okay? So, 
well, the truth will come out of this eventually, but in the meantime, we have to say we're not going to go along with that. Um, so that, that's it. Okay, that, that's kind of the whole talk, right? So, is there an ideology out there that says that gender is fluid? Yes. And how do we respond to that? We say, well, it has origins in lots of things, but it's not originated in biology. It's not even originated in really good psychology. It, it, it would tell us that probably it's a social trend that comes from a lot of emotional hurt right now in people's lives. And the best way to help people is to listen and to be supportive, but also to know what is and is not helpful. And it's not helpful to go along with the idea that they're the wrong gender. Better to understand that they just have to understand more completely who they're supposed to be. Last extra piece, I guess, so one last thought. People ultimately come to healing on this, okay? And I work with people who've been through this, so I know this. Um, through personal prayer, through embrace of the crosses that are hard on their lives, okay? And through slowly picking apart where and how they were uncomfortable with growing up to be a man or a woman. And that tells us that the stereotypes we have in our society about male and female, there is some room to, to, to adjust them a little bit. There's not a one-size-fits-all for men and women. You can't throw it out completely because then that destroys gender and then we, we can't do that. We're male and female. But we do have an obligation to tell everybody, you know, when you get to be a man or a woman, you, you can be it in a way that's different than maybe you encountered that was hurtful for you. you know, however you sell this model for you, you don't have to be like it doesn't mean changing your gender, it just means being a different kind of man, a better kind of man, a different kind of woman, a better, a better kind of woman. And it's, you can embrace that. And as you kind of own that, then you're owning your real identity, you're owning your vocation, and you're owning God's plan for you, and that's going to bring you happiness. That's what's ultimately going to, to solve the heartache. Okay? That's, that's what we're going to work around to as believers. Right? And it works. I've been through people with this, they figure it out. And they realized that they were wrong about other things, and they were glad that they happened upon a person who told them it was true and not something that wasn't going to help them. Okay? So that's my talk for right now. I think there's a break, and then we'll go on to the, the next thing. Okay? Thank you so much for your, your time.